Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. Man, awesome. Well, good morning, everybody. So that's just a quick heartbeat booklet. If you do not, if you don't have the, have one of these booklets, they're in the information center. I'd encourage you, please grab one of these booklets so you see what we're all about, who we are, because it's our desire that we embody this. So we don't just put it on paper, but this is something that we actually become, right? And uh, this is so cool. I think like, this to us, obviously, is the heartbeat, but um, it was so dear how this came. Jamie and I, right after I kind of mentioned it last week, when the transition took place and all of a sudden, like... You know, what you can do is you can just see what other churches are doing and copy that. Anybody could do that. But I actually, I was at a pastor's, couple pastor's day this past week. And uh, one of the things that this gentleman was talking to me a little bit about was just talking about, yeah, you can, you can copy other churches. You can kind of take different things that they're doing and bring it into yours. And there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of places do that. But he said, at some point, you will cap out the kingdom of God, right? You will cap out the message. You will cap out the whole purpose of why God calls you because every church is unique, Right? And that's so wonderful about it. So we spent three or four days in Canmore. We just spent time in prayer, seeking the Lord about what he wants the church name to be called, if it was to going to change, if it was not going to change. And so we spent a good four days just with the Lord on the mountain. And as we came back, basically what we had is we had this heartbeat booklet just downloaded to us from God. And so just for you and I, if this is your home church, which everybody in this room, I'm, I'm assuming this is your home church. This is what we're all about. So when you give an offering, when you give your tithe, when you join a team, when you get involved in any kind of thing here, this is what we're doing right here. Right? I'm so glad you're excited about that because, man, this, is, this should be exciting to you. Because when we stand before the Lord, guess what? You have to give an account for this. <gasps> really? Yeah, because you're part of a local body, are you not? You're part of this church. All right, come on, someone. I need some hoorah going on in here. Like, this is, this is what we do, man. This is who we are. Every time we gather, this is what we're focusing on. So our vision here is to... All right, are we, do we need to get loose again? Like, do I got to get Nana back up here? She will straighten everybody out. We here to impact generations for Jesus. And how do we do that? <laughs> okay, all right. Well, that was this, uh, not, not, maybe not really fair, but on the back of these priority booklet, really, this is, okay, so impacting generations for Jesus. That sounds great, but how do we actually go about doing that? We do that with our four priorities on the back. So this is what we spend our quality time on is these four things. Are you ready? I have them on the screen. Ready? Okay, number one is we are to be a strong, word-centered church in central Alberta. Number two. Yes, number three. A strong influence for God in our city. You guys sound real good. Number four. Hoorah! This is what we do. This is who we are. So if you're wondering, what does my church even do? These four things is what we do. All right, say it with me. It's what we do. It's what we do, man. It's what we do. This is who we are, what we do. So everything about Impact Life Church is to do these types of things. And I want to just show you, we got the big logo up there again that you can kind of, can you all see it? Okay, that heartbeat or that logo. And I want to just reiterate because I've heard questions before. Well, what are all the arrows? Like, what's the purpose of the arrow? Well, here, ready for it? We talked about a little bit of last week. And again, Jamie laid out so clearly, our mission is the lost get saved. Reach out. The saved get established. Draw in. 
Be established, get going, lift up. So what are we doing? We're here to reach out. Cool. All right. Four of you did it. So the rest we're going to get into. I, the reason why we're doing this, because we want this to be yours. This isn't just, oh, a church that I attend. No, this is who you are. This is part of your makeup. I mean, God had a way bigger plan for you than just the job that you do, right? For me, I mean, I'm part of this local body just as much as you are. So I want you just to get excited about it. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. All right. Can we get excited together a little bit on this? Okay, we'll do that. All right. And I don't mean just to hype you up. I mean, just Sincerely, I'm so grateful that the Lord gave us clarity. Because if you don't know what you're doing, how do you know what you're doing? <laughs> Think about it for a sec, right? And you've all heard those statements. If you don't have a proper vision, how do you know when you'll ever get there? So I'm so thankful that the Lord clearly laid this out for us so that whenever you serve, get involved on a team or you help out at Impact Days next week, you're wondering, why am I getting involved in doing all these types of things? It's because this is part of our call. This is who we are, right? So again, there's our whole logo. There's the heartbeat. Now, just again, like what Jamie mentioned last night, I just, I spent some time just in prayer this past week, just Lord, what do you want to do with us this coming weekend? And this just what came to my heart is just to talk a little bit more about go in depth of who we are, because who we are is more important than what we do. Because when we get the who we are down, right, then what we do will automatically be good. So we really got to, you know, emphasize and focus on who we are. So again, I want to talk to you, I guess, from the very center and the core of impacting generations for Jesus. And that's what we're going to get into. Because, you know, if you look at different churches in the Bible, you can see, you know, the, Paul wrote the church, Ephesians. He wrote the book of Colossians. He wrote the book of First and Second Thessalonians. And these churches, they were, they were known for who they were. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. I have this on the screen there. It says this, this is Paul again, just before he goes to pray, he says, ever since I first heard, now notice this, what did Paul hear about the church in Ephesus? Strong faith. Strong faith. Everybody say strong faith. strong faith. In the Lord Jesus. Remember, you can't just have strong faith. It has to be in someone. Strong faith in the Lord Jesus. And what else did he hear about them? And your love for God's people everywhere. This is what this church was known for. Not about you, but I want to be known as a church that has strong faith in Jesus. And boy, we sure love each other very dearly. There is nothing more impacting, nothing more powerful than a church that loves each other. And from there we move out. Man, who would not want to join the flock? Right? Because look, if you think about all these gang members and things like that. What are they looking for? They're looking for a family to be part of. They're looking for, you know, I want to feel value. I want to feel welcomed. I want to feel like I belong somewhere. Nothing better than the local church. Right? Uh-huh. Right? Okay. The next one, I want to show you Colossians chapter 1, verse 4. Again, this is Paul writing to this church. And he says this, we have heard. Now notice, we have heard. Everybody say, we have heard. We have heard. Paul heard something about this church. What did he hear about this church? That he heard about their faith in Christ Jesus and what? And your love for all of God's people. This is what they were known for. Now, we said a little bit jokingly yesterday, but if you think about it, what are other churches in the Bible that Paul, you know, writes to? You've got the book of Corinthians. What were they known for? A little carnal, right? I mean, sleeping around, you know, different things going around where you got, you got a boy who's sleeping with a stepmom. Weird, right? I'm so glad that you don't think, oh, impact. Oh, isn't that like we're just people sleep around? I'm, th I'm thankful for that. Anybody else thankful for 
four of you again. I'm, I'm not sure what kind of what you're looking for. But this is the type of church that I believe that we are called to is to be people, strong faith in Jesus. That's why we live by faith and our love for one another. It's got to be flowing from us. And then 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. This is another church. Paul says this, For we remember before our God and Father how you put your faith into practice, how your love motivates you to serve others, and how unrelenting is your hope-filled patience in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what this church was known for. So anybody interested in that? Man, this is what we're going for, and this is why we want to just take this time just to talk a little bit about who we are, because again, who we are is more important than what we do. Because when we get who we are established, what we do will be impactful. So again, I want to go back to uh, Proverbs chapter 3. Turn there in your Bible with me. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 3. <clears throat> Everybody there? All right. It says this in verse 3. Never, everybody say never. never, 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 ever, 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 never, no matter what happens, no matter circumstances, no matter what happens to you out here, for any reason, never let what? Loyalty and never let kindness leave you. Because what's the temptation when somebody pulls up, pulls up in front of you? What's the temptation? You get angry. You get angry. Man, love's gone. Right? When it's all of a sudden, you know, there's different temptations constantly that love and truth is trying to leave you. Right? So this is what the Solomon is telling us. Never let these two things ever leave you. Never. Ever say never. Now, this is not just a nice little message. This is reality. This is God's word to us. And he's saying to us, never let truth, never let love depart from you. Why is that in point? He goes on to say, tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. And how do you write something deep within your heart? The psalmist said that my tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. So what is that? How do I write things on my heart? I speak it. And what's happening? I'm writing things on my heart. So when you start saying something, whether you realize it or not, you are writing things on your heart. So again, how do I never let loyalty and kindness leave you? It's, it's done intentionally. Okay, so I want to hang on to it. Well, how can I really hold on to this? I'm going to write it on my heart. I'm going to write the truth of God's word by speaking it in my heart. I'm going to confess that the love of God is in me, that I flow in the love of God wherever I go. I'm confessing those things, even though I may not be there quite yet, but I'm going to write them down in my heart so that it never leaves me. Anybody tired of letting these things leave you? It, it, it's tiring. And it's, it's tough when those things go away from you. Guess what? Now you've got problems. And then he goes on to say, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 4, when you never let these two things depart from you, it says, then, everybody say then. Yeah. Then you will find favor with both God and people. And I've heard people praying, oh God, we just ask you for favor with men. Well, if you hold on to truth and love, guess what? You will find favor with people. A lot of times we're praying and asking God to do something for us when in fact he's telling us, hold on to truth. Hold on to love. Why? So that favor can be found with God and with people. And then he says, and you will earn a good reputation. Man, anybody interested in a good reputation? That's what I'm talking about. So you know what? One of the things that we're finding here too is that especially over the years, and you know, if we've only, next month, end of May, we've been Impact Life Church for two years. Only two years. And what's been so cool to hear now is we started saying these things a long time ago, but you know what happens in order to build a good reputation? It's not just saying it. Oh, we are 
love and we are truth. This is who we are. No, it's actually living this thing out day in, day out. And what's starting to happen is the reputation is starting to go forth from that place. People want to check out your longevity. Right? If you can just talk the good talk, but there's no walk to it, there's, not, there's nothing in it. But if you got truth and love, and we're holding on to this over a period of now two years, we're starting to make the impact in the city. Can you see that? It's starting to happen, starting to take place. People are starting to become aware. People are starting to get impacted. Why? Because we just hold on to these two things, and this is our motive, love and truth. Right? This is it. Okay. So now let's just take a little bit of time just to define and talk some of these things through. But I want you to go in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let's talk about love and truth. Not all right with everybody? My wife says yes, so I guess that's good. Verse 4. Verse 4. Are you ready? Let's just read it first, and then we'll go back over it. So verse 4, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous, nor boastful, proud, or rude. <laughs> verse 6, kind of weird in the New Living. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. And another translation, verse 8 says, love never fails. So now let's just go back over this for a moment, and we know this type of love to be what kind of love? It's the agape kind of love, the God kind of love, right? And so we know now, I mean, we'll find this out later, but that agape kind of love is on the inside of you and I right now. Say it, it's in me. The ability to carry out what we just read from 4 through 7, it, you are able to do that. How? Well, it's not, it's not natural love. It's not you just trying to work this stuff up. It's on the inside of you. We just got to release it. We got to tap into this love. How do we do that? You got to first start confessing this stuff. Okay, so let's look again, verse 4. Now let's run this through over real quickly. And I know you all know this, but we're going to just go over this because, again, this is who we are. Especially as a church family, if we wanted to make any kind of significant impact, guess what? We're going to have to be patient and kind, guess what? With each other. If we can't be patient and kind with each other, how on earth are we going to be patient and kind with anybody else outside these four walls? It's impossible, right? So let's talk about it. What does it mean to be patient? Love. All right, that's a good answer. But it means to be consistent even in the face of trials, delay, or problems. I'm patient. Say it with me. I am patient. And while I'm patient, while I'm consistent in the face of trials, while I am keep doing the same thing, I'm also kind. Everybody say it. I'm kind. <laughs> what does kindness mean? It means I'm tender-hearted. Okay. So while I'm patiently waiting for something to take place, while I'm patiently enduring somebody's stupidity, I'm going to be kind in it. Anybody can be patient, but can you be kind and patient? That's the key. Right? And guess what? You are able to do it. Listen, because if you can't do this, the devil will run your show. We got to get this down pat. This is who we are. We are Christians. This is who we are. Wherever we talked about it, man, those people sure are patient and kind with each other. 
How can that be? We got the love of God on the inside of us. So notice, this is the only sentence in this time that tells us what love is. So we know this, God is love. So God is patient and kind. But if the love of God is on the inside of us, we can also say, I am patient and I am kind. Can we say that together? I am patient and I am kind. Now he starts to list off what love is not. Ready? Love is not jealous. So you can say, I am not jealous. I'm not jealous. And what does it mean to be jealous? Feeling or showing envy of someone, of their achievements and their advantages. I'm not that. Isn't that good to know? Just say, I'm not that. You may be jealous sitting there right down, just, oh, this is just how I feel. That's just a feeling. The love of God in me can overflow and take over. The next thing it goes on to say, love is not boastful. What does it mean to be boastful? Braggadocious. Oh, somebody knew that one right off the bat. It says, showing excessive pride and self-satisfaction in one's achievements, possessions, or abilities. Basically, you think you're God's gift to the world. Anybody ever meet like that, somebody like that before? Yeah. Woo! Yeah, it comes up. And so just say this, I am not boastful. It's not who I am. It goes on to say, love now is not proud. What does it mean to be proud? It's to have a high opinion of oneself or one's importance. So say it, I'm not proud. Then right after the next one, it just says, I'm not rude, meaning I'm not ill-mannered. I'm not ill-mannered. Say it, I'm not ill-mannered. I'm not a rude person. This may seem so simple, but listen, we got to get this stuff. We can get these foundational things. Life will be a whole different ballgame for us. I am not a rude person. This is something we're even teaching our kids. When Papa and Mama are talking, Jace, don't come running in here and try to take over the conversation. Wait. You can say, excuse me, and then that's it. Right? I don't know still. This happens on a regular basis. I'm having a conversation, or maybe you've seen people, and you're having conversations. Somebody will just barge in. Come, come in. i got to tell you something. What is that? That's pride. i got to tell you something. It's more important than this person's got to say. Oh, hitting nerves. Okay. I'm just, I'm just telling you what, like, what it is. It's not rude, right? Love now, it does not demand its own way. Should we just say that one over ourselves? I do not demand my own way. So all of a sudden before you have a wonderful discussion with your spouse, maybe it wasn't the one that you want, you just say, I do not demand my own way. Do you know that will just save you at least three or four days of anger? For real. I do not demand my own way. All of a sudden, you know, Jamie comes at me with the wrong, wrong thing and I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to demand my own way, girl. You're off, but I'm not going to demand my own way. <laughs> then it says, love is not, oh, somebody got to say this, love is not Irritable. Now, what does it mean to be irritable? <laughs> Anybody know? Easily annoyed. Ready to get triggered. Yeah, <laughs> basically just triggered. Now, and this is something, like, honestly, from my own personal life, this is something that I have been saying for myself for quite some time. I am not irritable. Because for a while, smucking used to really bother me. And listen, still wrong. <laughs> Parents still teach your children how to eat? This is something that I may listen. This was this yesterday morning. And, uh, you know, 
I was up a little bit early yesterday and also a little bit today. And uh, this morning, so the boys asked for breakfast, okay. And so J- Jamie gave them some breakfast yesterday morning. And uh, she gave them uh, a metal spoon to go with their cereal. Usually the plastic ones will do just fine. But she gave them the metal spoon. So I'm sitting beside them just, you know, trying to start a conversation. Good morning, guys. How are we doing? And as they're sitting there, I can every single bite that they do. That metal spoon is hitting their teeth. And it's Rice Krispies and... I am not irritable. So what I did is I actually excused myself politely. And I said, I'll, I'll be right back. I need to just go get myself together a little bit. Finish up. Let me know when you're done and I'll come back and talk to you. <laughs> so whatever it is for you. But listen, that is not the mark of a believer. Somebody who is irritable, easily annoyed, easily triggered at the smallest little detail. I am not irritable. So enough about me, let's talk about you. (laughs) You are not irritable. Somebody does you wrong, somebody takes your parking spot, somebody takes your church seat, music was a little too loud, that's just just too loud. You are not irritable. Confess that over yourself. Because even though you may be right, even though, you can still be 100% wrong. I am not irritable. And then right after it, he says, and I keep no record of being wronged. This is big. This is holding back believers from going forward is the love walk right here. I keep no record. Let's say this together. I keep no record of being wronged. People may have hurt you. People may have said nasty things about you. Whatever it is, I keep no record of being wronged. I want to keep my heart sensitive to the Lord. I want His leading. People saying, I can't hear from God. Well, you're holding all to these wrongs. You're irritable at the drop of a hat or the sound of a smock. <laughs> right? All these things, and you're wondering, man, what's, how come I can't get direction from? What's going on here? It's because you're not even, in, it's not that God's not talking to you. You are out of position to hear. Because listen, God walks in love. This is who He is. God is on the love channel. So if you want to get with God, guess what? He is in this category. He's not demanding His own way. Anybody ever thought of that before? God's not down here. I want it this way or that, nothing else. He gave you the way, and it's your choice to go with it or not. Love doesn't chase all these things. He gave it to you. He's not irritable. Like you think about it, God is not irritable. Aren't you grateful for that? All of a sudden, we maybe do some stupid thing, and all of a sudden, God's just, I ain't talking to you for a week, right? And not of this, God keeps no record of being wronged. How many of you wronged God before? I have. But here's the cool thing. Through the blood of Jesus, He keeps no record of being wronged. He doesn't even remember it. Ooh, that is good stuff. And then we'll continue on verse 6. Now notice this. Now love, it does not rejoice about injustice or corruption. It takes no pleasure in corruption. But what does love rejoice at? When the truth wins. When truth wins, guess what? Love gets excited about that. Now we'll go on. Verse 7, it says, love never. Everybody say never. Never gives up. Never give up. No matter how hard it may be, no matter what it looks like, love on the inside of you, that God love will never, ever give up. Man, isn't that good? Love is powerful. goes on to say, love never loses faith. It's holding fast. Even though these are what's happening to circumstances around me, love continues to stand its ground, and it's always hopeful. It's always looking at the good end of the stick. People think it's their God-given call just to call out all the negative stuff in life. No, it's not. God is always hopeful. 
He's always seeing what will be, what could be. This is the way that I see it. Right? So always stay on this side. Let me encourage you. You want to get with God? Always be on this side. And especially when it comes to working with people. Man, in the church, because listen, this is, I said this last week, but one thing that we're working on, and we continue to work our kids to Jesus. Not just the church first. Why? Because church stuff gets messy. Church stuff, you really have to work at this. Come on, somebody. Don't let me be the only person up here. You really got to work at this. But when you meet Jesus, oh, man, this, I, I love the man. But I've seen people leave church because they feel the church hurt them. It just showed me you never had a solid foundation with God to begin with. It was never there. Because if you meet him first, you will stick to it no matter what. Because I love God, therefore I love people. I'll work however I need to work. I'm adjustable. I, one of the things that the Lord said last week to us, we are easy to work with. What does that mean? We just love one another. We make allowances for one another. Okay. It, and on top of that, love endures through every circumstance. Every circumstance. Think about that. You can endure through any circumstance. Why? Because the love of God is on the inside of you. And then verse 8 says, love never fails. So as we said, now we are filled with this love. Romans chapter 5, 5, at the very bottom of that verse, it says, God... Uh, this is the hope will never lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us. So this is where it begins. You got to know that God loves me. You have to know it. Not just, oh, I've heard that, you know, a million times. Yeah, but till you know it, until you're firmly rooted in it, this is the thing that we're supposed to be established in and operate from. You get rooted in the love of God and how much he loves you so that you're able to talk, you're able to do from this position of rootedness. Right, I do all these things from this place of love. And he says, because he has given us the Holy Spirit, and what has the Holy Spirit done? He has filled our hearts with his love. So if you may be miserable here this morning, you know why? It's because the love of God is not flowing through you. There you go. <laughs> so we are filled with the love of God. Then on top of it, Jesus, he gave us a command to love one another. I'll show you, look at this, you know these verses, John 13, 34, 35. But I truly believe this with all my heart. If we want to go to the next level, even this, people want to know what their next step and call in life is. If we don't have this established in our lives, forget about going to the next level. This is it. This is the foundation. This is the root of all roots. Right here, Jesus said this, so now I'm giving you a new suggestion, a new idea, a new teaching. I'm giving you a new commandment. If you look that up in the Greek, it actually means mandate. And now mandate is, comes like if you were in the military, things like that, they give you a mandate, you carry that thing out to fruition. Here it is, the mandate. And what is the mandate? Love each other. Love each other. Now look at your neighbor and say, I love you. Even if you're not related to them. Look at the other person. Say, I love you. Person behind you, say, I love you. Person in front of them, say, I love you. Hey. Uh. This is the command. Again, this is, as believers, this is what we do, man. This is what we do. We are here to love each other. Jesus said, just as, now here it is, love each other. Well, okay, well, how? Well, how am I supposed to do that? Just as... I have loved you. So right there is the standard for our love life. That person may have done you wrong. Guess what? That should not change your love walk towards them. Because remember hearing this being said, but a step out of love is a step into sin. The moment I come out of love, now guess what? I've actually entered spiritual darkness.
And I'm trying to figure out how to do life here. The moment that I have any ill will towards somebody, the moment is I stop hearing, I stop seeing, I'm in a dangerous place. Darkness. But all I got to do is say, Lord, I repent. And you go make it right with that person. Guess what happens? Oh, I can see clearly now the rain. Anyway. It's the new sound system that makes me sound so good. So if you're wondering. Just as I have loved you, so you should love each other. Then he goes on to say, we know these verses. Haven't you read these before? You've read these before. But again, I'm just bringing this up just to remind us again, this is who we are. So to effectively do what we're called to do, those four priorities, whether we're reaching out, whether we're drawing in or lifting up, we have to be rooted in these things. The motivation out of this has to be love. Then he says, your love for one another, Christians, not you loving the world, you loving Christians in this room, will prove to the world that you are mine. That's it. That's the proof right there. This is how people are going to be drawn to the church. They're going to be drawn to you. They're going to be attracted to you. There's something about you. What is it? It's because you love God's kids. Is it? That's all that it is. Man, I think that's so simple. I don't know why we've complicated it. So there it is. We are filled with the love of God. We are commanded now to operate in that love. Then thirdly, we are supposed to be controlled by this love. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul says it this way. He says, Christ's love, what does it do? It controls us. This is why this man can go through shipwrecks. He can get beaten with rods three times. He can get beat with stripes a couple times, get stoned to death, shipwrecked a few times, bitten by a snake over and over. Why? Because the love of God is controlling him. He, oh, this says in Acts chapter 20, Paul had to go, you know, he's going to go to Rome and find out, I don't know what's going to happen to me except that the Holy Spirit tells me there's going to be great trials and tribulation and persecution coming at me. But none of these things move me. Why? Because he's controlled by the love of God. I have to go there. I got to do what I got to do. Why? Because people need to hear the message. They got to hear this gospel. So it owned him. It owned him. What's owning you? What's controlling you? A lot of times people do things, you know, for the wrong motives, the wrong reasons. But listen, let the love of God that is in you control you for everything that you do. And the result is you'll have a good success for it on that. Now, look, look, look with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. And I want to show you. Okay, so Paul says the love of Christ controlled me. How did he actually do that? What does it actually look like? Okay, so I say, okay, I want the love of God to control me. Well, how can I practically apply that into my life and see it now manifested in my day-to-day -day life? Anybody ask that question? Okay, I'm glad two of us did. Verse 19, it says this. Now, even though... I am free from obligations to others. How many know that is a great place to be? When you are free from people, you got to be free from their thoughts. And this is something that I'm still working on in my personal life, is to be free from the thought life of men. I will never find joy in your mind. It's not there. I will never be able to find it there. I'll never find freedom in your mind. So what do I need to do? I got to find it only in Jesus because when I'm totally free from you, now I'm able to effectively help. Jesus, why was he so, so, so successful? He didn't care what people thought of him. People had good opinions of him. People had bad opinions of him. He didn't care. He just said, I am here to do the will of the one who sent me. He never said, oh, those people like me, I'm going to go flock over to them. He didn't care. And the ones that even did like him, he questioned them. You just like me for the miracles. Like, Jesus, you're, you're getting a gathering? 
Don't throw out everybody. Don't throw out all of a sudden like your, your support network. You just toss them out. Remember his message in John chapter 6, eat my flesh, drink my blood? He said, does this offend you? Oh, yeah, it's very hard for us to hear. Good. He didn't comfort them in any kind of way. But because of this mindset, now I'm free from all these people. They owe me nothing. I owe them nothing. Now I'm able to effectively help you. And that's powerful. So Paul's saying the same thing. Now I'm free from the obligation of others. Totally free. Free from obligation. Free from anything that anybody may try to say to me. Oh, you should do it like this way. I actually don't care. This is what I'm working on for my own personal life. So he says, I joyfully. And I always say, I joyfully. This is it. How I controlled by the love of God? I joyfully make myself a servant. Not a leader. Not a teacher. Not a preacher. A servant. I make myself a servant to all in order to win as many converts as possible. Now I think this is vital for us reaching the world, but also for one another in this, in this room. Let's look at the next verse, verse 20. Now look at the first two words. I want us to read that together. I, I became. Let's say that together. I became. So notice, this is something that you do. You don't just ask God to do something. Okay, God, just make me do this. Help me to do this. No, I became Jewish to the Jewish people in order to win them to the Messiah. What are the next words? I became like one under the law, to gain the people who were stuck under the law. Then he says, even though I myself am not under the law, and to those who were without the Jewish laws, what? I became like them as one without the Jewish laws in order to win them, although I'm not outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. Now notice the next verse, he says, I became, what? Weak. To the weak. To win the weak. This is what you got to do. You have to become something to somebody else. I became this. I have adapted to the culture of every place I've gone so that I could more easily win people to Christ. Do you see the heartbeat behind all this? Now, I love this verse. This verse really gets me going. He said, I do all of this. Why do I, why do I become this to reach somebody else? Why do I do all this? I've done all this so that I would become God's partner for the sake of the gospel. And this has been something that I've just been studying in my own life, in my own time with the Lord, is, Lord, I don't want to just be, you know, a pastor or just be a Christian anymore. I want to be a partner with you in this earth. Like you see Moses, you see Joseph, you see all like the Hebrews chapter 11, all these different men and women of God. They were partnering with God. Can, can you see the difference? There's people who are Christians. Oh, yeah, we're Christians and we pray and we, you know, we ask God to bless us. Oh, we do all those things. There's nothing wrong with that. But there's another step in a relationship with God where you actually become a co-laborer with Him. Where I become now a partner with God for the sake of the gospel going out. I'm partnering with Him. So how do I partner with God? I have to become something to somebody else. Can you see this? This is all that it is. So the question that I'm asking is my, to, for all of us here is, what would it be like if church, you came and you became something to somebody else? What would it look like? I mean, in other ways that I, I kind of looked at it too, I think Paul just used these words, I chameleoned myself. Right? Anybody know what a chameleon is? 
right? You go to a gray rock, turns gray. You go to a green leaf, turns green. You go to a purple flower, purple, right? Paul says that all these different places that I go to, I can become a chameleon. I'm adapting new personalities. I'm adapting new ways and methods and, you know, empathy. I'm discovering new ways of empathy to stand in somebody else's shoe and look back at the gospel. I mean, think about this man, Paul. He was a Jew, right? Philippians said he was a Jew of Jews, right? I mean, born of the tribe of Benjamin. This guy was, he had the law memorized inside and out. He was the zealous Pharisee. Remember that? He knew, like, he memorized... The, you know, the first five books in your Bible, he had that memorized to a T. By the age of, what did they have it? Is it 14? I think 15? Something like that? He had that 12? You just shout numbers. Third, then, auctioneer. By the age of 12, the, the Jewish children, the synagogue, they, would te- they had to know the first five books. He knew it memorized, inside and out. So he said, I was the most zealous of them all. And now God calls him to go reach the Gentiles? The uncircumcised, those that are outside of the law? Think about it for a moment. How did Paul reach these guys? He, didn't, he couldn't come in there and just say, Oh, here I am. I'm going to teach you guys. I'm going to preach to you. No, he said, I'm coming and I'm becoming a slave or a servant so that I could get into your shoes and look at how you see us. This is his heartbeat. Can you see this? So when Paul, I said that he chameleoned himself, he took on different shapes, different identities, different personalities. He discovered new connecting points, new empathy strategies. He did all of this to be a servant, to enter people's world as a servant, not as a teacher or a preacher. He came in as a servant. And listen, this is where influence begins. This is where impact begins. It's when I become something to somebody else. Can you see that? Is this making sense? Again, this is who we are. So in just five points for that we just read in 1 Corinthians 9, the five motivating principles for Paul's ministry is number one, he is always start with finding common ground with those you want to reach. What is common ground that you can start with? Number two then is, I'm going to avoid projecting to others that I am a know-it-all. Hello, somebody. Anybody ever talk to a know-it-all? How fun is that conversation? I've checked out a long time ago. Right? Number three, accept everyone regardless of his or her issues. Listen, I'm talking just specifically outreach. Listen, in the world, guess what? People have issues. In this room, how many of you got issues? <laughs> Say, what now? The church? Yeah. We may have some issues. Listen, that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Now we're working with God. I mean, there's total freedom in Christ. We can work some of those things out. But when we're talking about reaching people that have never been reached before, listen, we got to come and not condone them. How can we reach these people that all of a sudden we look at a culture and go, oh, they're no good. How are we able to effectively reach them? You can't. How are we going to reach the, the homosexual community? Turn or burn, turn or burn. Listen, nobody is listening to you, turn or burning. Nobody is listening. So what do we do? Love, truth. This is how we impact. This is how Jesus did it. He did it with what? Love. But at the same time, you have to have a message of truth. Because, And we'll get to that, but I'll just jump in here now. If you just have love all the time, you are wishy-washy with zero standard. Oh, come as you are. Oh, yeah, just live however you want to live. Oh, that's what you want to do. Go for it. There's, there's so much grace available. Now, there's a truth in that, but it is not the truth. That is the dangerous ground to be standing on. So we got love. Then on the other hand, now we have to have truth. 
These two together, even though, yes, they seem opposite, but Psalm 85.10 says, when they come together, it is powerful. When you have love and you got truth. When you see somebody flowing and operating in the love of God, it changes everything. Right? Now then, let's talk about truth for a little bit. Oh, wait, I didn't finish the five things. Sorry. Apologize. Number one, again, is finding common ground. Number two is avoiding being a know-it-all. Number three is accept everyone regardless of their issues. Number four is be sensitive to the culture of others. Remember, love is constantly thinking about somebody else. Number five, then, is use every opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ with people. Now, I want to just lay this out for a second. I used this illustration last night. I want to say it again. But using opportunities to share the good news of Jesus with people is not just you necessarily just preaching the gospel. Your life is a podium. For example, this is just something that happened to me personally. I was playing soccer this past winter. You missed the hotel. Third place, men's league. And, uh, you know, it was getting pretty intense. It was, you know, it was, it was, we were, it was our semifinal game. Nope, playoff game. And as a playoff game, and we were, we were down, we came back and we were winning. Man, it was just, it was fresh, it was good. Day was lighting it up up there. We're just doing all this stuff. And then, but about last 90 seconds, and, you know, of course, it's pressure starts going on. Uh, I remember I was kind of running back on defense. I went and I went to go kick the ball because the guy had it. And I, you know, I kicked, I kicked it out of bounds. But the referee gave us the call. He said, all right, ball's going. It's your guys' ball. And we could have just hold on to it and just win the game, and that would have been it. Now, I remember I just looked at the ref and said, you know what, ref, I, I kicked that out. That was me that kicked that out. And so he reversed the call. My teammate, other than Dave, was angry with me. <laughs> On the field. Why, why, why would you say that? Just it's our, They gave it to us. It's not right. It's not right. Yes, do I want to win? Absolutely, but I want to win right. There was a time when I would do whatever it takes to win. But I've been sanctified. Come on, somebody. I've been justified. Again, I'm a white man, black man trapped in a white man's body. I've been bought by the blood. No, anyways. <laughs> Kick the ball out. Why did you do that, Joel? Because it's not right. Anyways, there was another guy that goes to the church. I don't think he's here today. Is it? Uh, I see Danelle. Alan. And uh, he was, you know, he's been talking and witnessing to a couple of guys on his team. And uh, Alan actually said, and like they played the game before us and they were watching our game. Alan actually told him, oh, that's, that's my pastor out on the field right now. I didn't know that. Thank God, just keep it cool, Joel. Keep it cool. Because when, when it gets competitive, losing is not Joel's game. You do whatever it takes, rightly. So I kicked this ball out, and uh, I didn't think anything of it. Just, oh, yeah, that's it. That night, I got a text from Alan saying, this guy that I've been reaching out to and talking about the Lord and stuff, he saw that you reversed the call in the field. He said, that's, that opened up the door for the conversation to start happening. So that's, that's not me. I just thank God using every opportunity. So what is the opportunity for you? All of a sudden you see five bucks laying down on the ground. Don't just buy yourself a coffee. Don't pocket that and say, oh, Starbucks, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. No, there may be an owner to that. You, you, you have no idea. Those small little things speak volumes to people. And as long as Christians keep going, oh, five bucks, Jesus, you are so good. Meanwhile, you saw the purse fall out of the lady that just walked ahead of you. Man, thank you, Lord. Tom Macchiato, coming my way. You, you, you think, 
It's the wrong mentality. No, ma'am, sorry, this, you drop this. If she gives it to you, then go buy yourself a coffee. But till then, it doesn't belong to you. All right, cool. <laughs> All right. But that's what he says, using every opportunity to share the gospel. If you kick the ball out, say it, you kick the ball out. Anyway, because that's the other side of it, is truth. Okay, 1 John 4, 12, before I just talk about truth. But the reality is, is how I love people is a direct reflection on how I love God. I can tell your love for the Lord by how you interact with people. Zero patience, no tolerance at all with people. That just shows me your relationship with God. Oh no, me and God are great. First John tells us you, that actually is not true. Because if you can't love God who you can see, how can you now effectively show that you love God with people you can see? That's what 1 John tells us. In 1 John 4.12, uh, the Apostle John says this, No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and His love is brought to full expression in us. So that's our job, is to love. Why? Because I want the love of God to be manifest in services. Do you know that people are saying, I want to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. How many of you want to be operating in the gifts of the Spirit? I do. Anybody else? But do you know where it's all rooted in? Love. If you're not motivated in love, listen, people could be acting out in the gifts of the Spirit for pride. They want to be seen of men. People could do it because they want to motivate or they're trying to swing something a certain way. Unless you are rooted and grounded in love, do not expect the Spirit of God to use you for the gifts. But if you're rooted and established in this, guess what? The gifts can now safely flow out of you. And the Holy Spirit will gladly use you anytime, anywhere, not just at church. You could be walking all of a sudden down the mall, all of a sudden you'll have a, a word of wisdom for somebody, and you go say, man, the Lord just, just told me this about you. Da, 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 tell him, and all of a sudden, yeah, that's completely right. Anybody want to flow in those things? Because listen, you can. Say it, I can. That's what we're supposed to be operating in. But how do I do that? People are going, I want to learn how to do that. Before you learn to do those things, you have to first be rooted in love. Because if I'm not rooted in love, now I got my own mind on the my my name on the on the my brain. Okay, so that's love. Now love is good. So we got love correct in our hand. Now next is truth. What is truth? Truth is the stubborn commitment to whatever is honest and right, regardless of the cost. Truth is, I am unwilling to bend from what is true. There's got to be that unwillingness because as long, again, as we just keep having this love, we're not changing anybody's lives. You can love people all day long, but love doesn't change people. You hear me? You can love all day. You can love that difficult family member all day long, but until there is truth in the picture, you can love, 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 and now they'll just see you as a pushover. The other side of the coin is now... I have a righteous truth that I stand for. Everybody needs an absolute truth that they stand on. And that's the Word of God. Because if you look at it from this perspective, it just looks like, okay, yeah, however you want to live, just keep doing this thing. Yeah, just keep operating that way. It's going to be okay. God loves you anyway. That is wrong. I've heard it preached. People on pulpits, I've heard that preached. Oh, we just got to love people. We just gotta, and there's truth to that. There's absolute truth to that. But as long as we keep just doing the love thing, nothing is going to change in that person's life. What needs to take place is now the truth of God's word now has to come in so that we can start seeing something happen in people's lives. Now I'll just show you this real quick. Everybody okay still? Okay. So why truth? So he says love and truth. Why truth? Because truth is the only thing that sets people free. Now everybody has a truth. I'm talking about the truth. The truth of God's word. There is no higher truth. That's why we have to know it. 
So uh, John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, Jesus said this. See, he said to the people who believed in him. Anybody believe in him? All right. So this is the command for you and I. You believe in him. You are truly my disciples. Everybody say it. If. If. Just because, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, does not make you a disciple. You are as a disciple of Jesus if you remain faithful to my teaching. This is what it is for discipleship now. Then he goes on in verse 32. We know this verse. And you will now know the truth. Know how he says, you stick to my word, my teachings, and you will know the truth. So his word is truth. His word is truth. God's word is I know we know this, but we got to get this ingrained. God's word is the truth. It's not just a truth out there. No, it is the truth. What God says goes, period. You will know the truth. And notice what happens when you know the truth. The truth will set you free. It does not say love. Love does not set people free. Love opens the door for a conversation to happen. Can you see that? Because if you just got truth and no love, you got no, no access. Love gives truth its voice. So why truth? Because truth sets people free. Number two then is truth sets you and I apart from the world. It's time for the church to stop looking like the world. Like I, I've been, like, no, just in my own, my YouTube playlist, worship list, I, I'm listening to these old songs, man, I, I like some of this old stuff, like, they just talk about the holiness of God, and God, I want to be holy so I can be a vessel, like, there's just, it's a different thought, and I think part of it is we've actually gotten away from wanting to be set apart from the world, because if you look like the world, they'll embrace you, if you don't look like the world, they'll reject you, so listen, I'm all for reaching out, there's God, we want to do that, but there comes a point if we just, the world starts, you know, keening up to us and start rubbing shoulders and they're starting to feel comfortable around you and I, there's a bit of an issue. Why? Because we're supposed to be different. Jesus prayed this in John 17. I'll show it to you. Now, I'm not saying excluding. Remember, we do not have a mindset, us versus them. We're not having that. We're here to impact and influence the world, not become like it. Come on, somebody. I need some other help pre preaching here. We're here to impact it. And we can't impact it as long as we keep looking like it, smelling like it, tasting like it. There's got to be something different about us. That's why when you come into our worship team, man, they did an awesome job this morning. There's got to be a tangible presence about you. There's something different about you that the world wants. They craving it. Same way you did when you were not a Christian yet. They're looking for it. But Jesus said this, John 17, verse 16, I believe. It says, Jesus praying for us, they, say me. He's praying for me. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Then verse 17 says, okay, well, if I don't belong to this world, I belong to, I belong to you, God. Well, what's the difference? Make them holy or make them set apart by your truth. And what does he say? Teach them your word, which is truth. We got to get back to the Bible. As long as we keep having high thoughts or good opinions of what's going on around here, we got to get back to the Word. This is how you make impact. Yeah, we're going to love. Man, when we have our impact days, man, we are going to show the love of God with no strings attached. Then when the doors open, people start asking questions, we can now in love show this truth. And the reality is people's lives get changed. Because listen, people want to get out. People want freedom. 
Think about it for a second. Man, they just they want out of the mess that they're in. And just a little feel me good little thing, a little pat on the back. It's good. There's nothing wrong with that. It opens the door. But truth is what sets people free. We're not doing people any good if all we're doing is, oh, there, there, there. No, here's the word. Here it is. This is what Paul's saying. I became weak to talk to the weak, to win the weak, to the strong. Guess what? I became strong to be strong and win the strong. To those that are wise, I'm going to be wise. To those that are of a different culture, I'm going to find any kind of access point I possibly can to reach and connect with them. Why? So that I can win them over to Christ. Okay? So this is how we do it, is through the truth. And thirdly, truth transforms you into a new person. Romans chapter 12. Just turn there real quick. Romans 12, look at verse 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, Paul is saying this, I plead, I plead with you. What does it mean to plead? I'm begging. He's on his knees. I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you. With you with you to give your bodies to God because of all that He's done for you. God is deserving of every blink that I have. He deserves every breath that comes out of my lungs. He took me out of darkness and He put me in light. He did that. I owe Him my entire existence. (laughs) Then He says, let them, your lives, be a living and holy or set-apart sacrifice the kind he will find acceptable, this is truly the way to worship him. Then verse 2, how do we go about doing this? Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but notice what it says, let God. God is not going to come and just change your mind for you. You have to give him access and say, okay, Lord, again, this is my, my, my white chair in my room. Okay, Lord, I'm doing my, my checkup is do I have a mind shift that's a bit off from what your word says? I'm open, Lord, I'll, I'll change. Does, is God allowed access to change your thinking? Does he have access to it? Because if he does, listen, we're talking about, again, as a church family, to love and truth, so we're able to impact, reach out, draw in, lift up. But it begins at home. Okay, God, am I able, to, are you, do you have free access to change the way that I think? God, you can have it all. If I need a complete overhaul, go for it. God, what do you think about money? God, what do you think about physical health? God, what do you think about my soul? God, what do you have to say about homosexuality? God, what do you have to say about smoking? What do you have to say about pornography? What do you have to say about addictions? I'm willing to take on a new thought because what happens is people keep going in the same cycle. Oh God, I, I promise I'll never do this thing again. They'll be trapped in addiction. I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. Only to find themselves a week later to be in the same cycle again. What's the problem is because the mind shift hasn't changed. We're substituting prayer for mind renewal. That's not what it's for. Prayer is for communing with God, talking to Him about His Word, confessing His Word, praying about the future. That's what it's all for. But we've used prayer now as a way as God, I just, Lord, help me get rid of this thing. And He's like, I want to change your mindset. I want to change the way you think. Because look at this. Let God transform you into a new person. Let's say new person. You can be brand new. Woo! How? By changing the way you think. Oh. We just want a quick microwave. Just throw me in the microwave, God. Bring, I'll say a prayer. Jesus, I believe in you. Come in my heart. Oh, yeah, everything's good. And now I'm ready to roll as a Christian. Not yet. Guess what? Now you're in a lifelong process of changing the way you think. <laughs> Nobody arrives here. 
This is, this is all a life process. But notice what happens as your mind is being renewed. It says, then. Everybody say, then. Yeah. I love when he throws it in there. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. People ask me, what's God's plan for my life? What does God want me to do? I don't know what he God wants you to do. But I do know this. How renewed is your mind? Because you are walking in God's will for your personal life to the degree that your mind is renewed with his word. Your mind's not renewed with the word. Guess what? You will not know the good, the pleasing, and the perfect will of God for your life. People go, oh God, what does God want me to do? Well, let's start here. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 wants us to do. So let's start there. I'm going to just be filled with the Spirit for this next 10 years. I'm going to just do this verse. And the result is you're starting to pick up on things. But we've got to use the Word of God, not just for a, I, gotta, you know, I need a little nugget for this, and I need you know, a little pick-me-up over here. We're using it so that we can change the way we think. If you can look at the Bible as God's thoughts, these are God's thoughts for what He says about any situation that you're seeing. Any, anything that they're saying it's a political debate, it actually is a light and dark debate. Go in this word. Is abortion okay? Okay, well, yeah, I know Christians, we all say no. I, I, I get that. But what do we start doing? We start protesting because we're just angry about it. Is it wrong? Absolutely. But why? Why is it wrong? Well, you're taking life. Yeah, but why? You've got to have his thought. What does he say about it? What does he think about it? Is homosexuality wrong? Well, that'll be um, yes, no. Go to what his word says. This, again, has to be a truth that you and I set up. We have to know what God thinks about it because if this is what God says, okay, this is how I'm going to think about it now too. It may go against your grain. You may not like what sometimes what this word has to say. <laughs> Hello, somebody. You may not be totally pumped up when you read what God's thoughts about that. You go, oh... I, I did not think that, I don't, I don't think that at all. Well, guess what? He does. So what are you going to do? Change God? <laughs> that ain't going to happen. So what is going to happen? Who's going to have to change? I'm going to have to change. Okay, God, this is what you say about healing. Well, the church that I grew up in never taught that, so this is my background. Listen, that is all pride. Let that go. Don't even take anything that I'm saying as you got to go to what the Word says. If the Bible says it, guess what? You can believe it 100%. Don't take it because you heard, you know, a really cool preacher. Real, you know, he's real hip and happen and he's got a lot of likes. That should not be your motivation for listening for what the truth of word, God's Word has to say. Stick to what the Bible says. Why? Because we're coming into last days, people, and it's going to get darker and darker out there. But for the church, we're getting brighter and brighter. Only if we stick to what He said. So people keep asking me, just tell me everything's going to be okay. I can't. I can't tell you everything's going to be okay. I know it'll be okay if you stick to this. If you stick to the Word, guess what? Everything will be all right. Why? Because you're living by what He says. And God, love cannot fail. Impossible. So in closing, last verse I want to just share with you. Now, love and truth, this is who we are. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. This love and truth, they balance each other out gloriously, resulting in the gentle and honest life of a Christian. I think that just defines Christianity. To me, when I read the Gospels, this is how I picture Jesus. Gentle, firm. 
That's how I see it, man. Just walking around. Man, like the, the story that always comes to my thinking is remember the woman that was caught in adultery? And all of a sudden, what did religion do? Religion took her out in the act of it. Awkward. Right? Throws her in the middle of the synagogue in front of everybody and says, Now, the law of Moses tells us to stone this woman, but what do you say? And I love Jesus' response. Now notice he didn't just fly off the cuff. He went down, bent down, and started drawing. What is he doing? He's waiting for an answer. So he's down there. He gets his answer. He was without the first sin, cast the first stone. Okay. Right after that, all these people start leaving. Jesus is now, what does he say to the woman? Hey, where are your, where are your accusers? They're, oh, they're not here, Lord. And he says, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. So you see the gentleness? I, I don't condemn you. I find no fault in you. There's the gentle. There's the love. Truth, go and sin no more. Don't do that lifestyle because it'll kill you. Don't do that anymore. You need the truth. Remember, we even he read it in Hebrews, but Hebrews chapter 12 talks about the love of God actually corrects us. So let me encourage you, if you're ever going to get chastised by God, embrace it. It hurts so good. Man, getting spanked by God is the greatest thing you'll ever have. Hello, somebody. It may be, and how does that come? It's not like an actual you know, spanking. I'm talking about, oh, that's the wrong mind. Okay, this is not what God thinks about it. He may be totally changing the way that you think. So Ephesians 4.15, this is what I believe the church is called to do, is that we will speak the truth in love so people may grow in every way more and more like Christ. This is it. You want to be more and more like Christ? Love? Truth. And the more that we speak it to one another, the more that we show it to one another, the more we go out and... Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we'd love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.